Welcome to the Software People Stories. I'm Shiv. I'm Chitra. And I'm Gaiki. We bring you interesting untold stories of people associated with the creation or consumption of software-based solutions. You'll hear stories of what worked and sometimes what didn't. You'll also hear very personal experiences and insights that would trigger your thoughts and inspire you to do even greater things. very warm welcome to our listeners of the software people stories we hope you're all staying safe and are well in your homes or offices for those who need to be there this episode was prompted by what we now know as the covid-19 pandemic that's turned the world as we know it into something we yet to figure out as agility coaches and consultants we've watched and listened to what many of our clients in it and software and a few non it businesses have experienced these past few weeks and it's nothing short of unprecedented we wanted to know how they have responded to the massive change so far and that it's perhaps leading to tremendous unlearning of all past modes of working and relearning or discovery in uncharted territory we sensed that businesses were rapidly responding in the best way they knew to continue business and so shivaguru our pm bar colleagues spoke to several people across sectors and compiled his findings as lockdown lessons in agility This conversation between myself Chitra and my colleague Shiva Guru is an eye opener around many dimensions of how people and companies have responded to this dramatic change. We feel that you will have a lot to take away from these insights and experiences. Listen on. Good morning Shiv, how are you doing today? Good Chitra, good morning. Yeah, like all these days, enjoying the sun and the birds outside. That's the nicest thing about this whole lockdown. So I've been yeah. looking forward to this conversation especially since it's been four plus weeks after we released our episodes on disperse team and as we heard from several of our colleagues and a few guest clients I also know that you've been busy talking to several people running or involved in IT and other businesses who've spoken to you about how they've responded to this almost unfathomable situation so one question that's you know coming to my mind when i was going through what you have prepared or compiled as lockdown lessons post your conversations with several folks you called out a sensing phase and then people had to rapidly move into focusing on how to address this issue and then respond to me it feels like there was barely enough time between the sensing phase and what perhaps i would have liked to see as a as a prep phase so companies i think literally had to turn around overnight how did this actually play out so rapidly based on your conversations what did people do immediately very interesting question chitra in fact uh, the reason for me to explore this was that after about 3 weeks what has been the lessons learned when people had to make this rather drastic shift see the first set of uh, podcasts that we had were more from an individual's perspective of working from home somebody who is used to working as a team and then now dispersed but still connected and working as a team but then there are a lot of back stories that were there or things that had to happen by the time everybody shifted to working from home so this is an attempt to explore what happened in that phase normally we talk about two different ways 
of taking action. One we say is a reaction, the other is a response. Typically a response is something that is thought through and there is a pause between the trigger that we call as the sensing and the action. In this situation, normally one would expect a reaction and that is what kind of happened. But I call it the focused phase because it was not a random reaction. Everybody kind of knew by that time what the enormity of the situation was and the uncertainty of how long it might go on and not limited only to one industry, which is also one reason I spoke to people from not only IT, but also from the more traditional industries of manufacturing, of uh, retail distribution, particularly in the automotive industry, which was already going through a lot of pressures even before the COVID crisis started, as well as hospitality, which is also a very highly service oriented industry and very sensitive to the sentiments of their customers. So what had happened was many organizations, particularly the large ones, had different scenarios created. In fact, some of them had also identified COVID as one of the impact in their even project level plans, where uh, the focus at that time was more on health, saying what happens if some team members, you know, more than a normal number that might be away or be uh, sick, etc., get affected. This was not something that was done only by the IT service providers, but also the customers. Because the international customers were already feeling some of these things before India started feeling the impact of COVID and they had already started taking preventive measures. Almost everybody had health as the primary concern. So to that extent, most organizations did have some time to think and kind of get prepared at least mentally. But then in the non-IT sectors, they had not anticipated this to come so fast or this to impact us so drastically. If you take the previous pandemics, yes, it happened. There were some things, but then India was largely unaffected or very, very little impact across the board. But the moment people could not go to work, they had to really find out what can be done. And in many of those cases, it was, I would say, something that was forced on them. So they had to be creative in terms of what could be done. But at least in the IT sector, there are a lot of stories that I heard about uh, project managers insisting on a majority of the team members having laptops even before this started. Those were for different reasons. In fact, in um, a couple of organizations, they were shifting their location from one facility to another for consolidation. And in fact, in one company, they wanted to actually distribute, you not know, to avoid the commute in Bangalore open up multiple offices and that they said, let us give them the flexibility of working from any office or let us give them laptops. So to some extent they were prepared. In some cases, they had some stock of laptops and all that. So it was about leveraging those. It was not completely reactionary, but it was not a fully thought out response either. So effectively from almost the middle of February, companies started preparing, companies started looking at what could be happening, what's happening outside in the world which is what I call as the sensing phase. And I didn't call it as a pause phase in between before the response, it was all about action. So rather than calling it react, I call it the focus phase because the other significant aspect that came through in all my conversations was that everybody from the leadership to individual contributors at teams were all focused on one purpose, which is 
to keep the business running, to be focused on customer deliverables. I think having that purpose, that is the focus, enable them to find creative ways of adjusting and making this work from home actually work. And that took anywhere between two days to, in some cases, almost four weeks. It's not as if everything happened overnight, but then the bias for action with the purpose being clear was something I think that helped almost every organization to at least minimize the impact of this largely in the IT sector. Unfortunately, in the other sectors, there were a lot more constraints. Thank you, Shiv. That's a very extensive examination of what a lot of the companies have done. And I have two questions that are coming up right now. One is, it looks like there were things were changing almost on a daily basis. But yet you say that everybody seemed to sense the common purpose of continuing business and catering to customers' needs. How did, say, leaders rally people around this? It must have been exceptionally difficult when you are not face-to-face with people, when you're not looking at people's faces and gauging their understanding of a common vision or purpose. So how did they do this in such a short time? That is the first question. And the second question is something that you said. Safety and health were foremost and at the forefront of all thinking during this time. What is it that people have done to ensure employees' well-being? Both are uh, very involved questions. The first one, again, uh, is a spectrum of responses. In uh, a couple of smaller organizations where everybody knew everybody else by name, uh, the leaders were so involved in uh, their individual connections, personal connections would be going around. Some of them also did some mocks. They knew that this is coming. They knew that they were not prepared. So they had to validate the model. So they spent anywhere between um, one day to even up to a week in trying to do this mock exercise of while coming to the office, working from the office, but behave as if you are working from home. Now, this meant that the infrastructure of connectivity could also get tested and people being used to or getting used to not just looking over the shoulder of somebody else doing something, but relying more on whatever systems they had, whatever tools they had, or figure out what was lacking in some of them and saying, hey, can we do this so that at least we are all updated on what the status is or where the issues are and where somebody else can chip in and help, etc. In some companies, when I said that it was even up to about a week, they also tried different variations. Uh, these variations primarily were about having less direct contact. Now, you can't just look up or look across the hall and see if somebody is working or not. It could lead to setting your status to indicate that, you know, do not disturb me. This is my me time or teams dedicating some time during the day saying that this is what we can do. But then when they actually started working from home, some of these had to be tweaked further because uh, homes were no longer exclusive offices. In many cases where there was more than one person who was working, they didn't have space to have so many isolated offices, which meant that uh, if somebody is having a call, if at the same time, Somebody else at home is also having a call. They needed to figure out how to do that or at least request the teams to adjust the timings. The second very common thing was very frequent calls. Even in the non-IT sector, I heard stories of HR reaching out almost on a daily basis or sending out bulletins, small recorded updates on WhatsApp. These are smaller teams, either giving hope, either giving them updates on what is happening, what the government regulations are, or what their own leadership thinks, what can be done, etc. 
So this was the first part of uh, your question in terms of uh, how the leadership prepared or how they were trying to enable the teams to at least adapt to a different way of working. About the changes in the actual activities done, the processes they followed and all that, I did not go deep into that or this study, which is something I thought will take it up as a separate focus study to look at how this is sustaining. Because initially there's a lot of enthusiasm. The teams are all very excited to work from home. Some of them now could also go to their hometowns and actually work from there. And uh, they had the moral support of the families. So all these kind of help. But when I had these conversations, which is about uh, a little more than three weeks of working from home, some of the fatigue was already starting to show. Some of the longing to get back to the social contact and to the office environment also were kind of expressed. So this is where I think companies have been very, very creative. I guess that is your second question about keeping them engaged at a project level. I think the engagement has become higher. The same purpose, the same commitment or the same goals that they had set, whether it is for the immediate sprint or the next release. Uh, there are stories of uh, completely new features being conceived and deployed within two weeks. There's one instance of something which is also going to help hospitals which are treating COVID patients. It is a feature that had to be done that required multiple teams to work together. They came together from understanding the requirements, trying to implement the feature in such a way that it had minimum disruption to the existing architecture or other pieces of code and then they were able to actually give it. This is over and above whatever they had as commitments. In fact, one of those teams said that you know, we were working day and night, even though the weekends we used to have discussions on uh, the stories, on testing strategies and everything else. So that intensity was all because of the sense of urgency that people felt. And in this case, it was also the feeling of higher purpose where what they're doing is actually going to be used immediately in addressing some of the challenges posed by COVID. Because there are other stories of support teams also being more productive. They said they have less distractions. Maybe this is again something that we should explore once things return to more normalcy and people get back to office to see what are some of those distractions in the office that can be avoided. Because it is not always only about productivity, but it is also about people feeling happy that they are able to achieve more. The other is uh, many reach out programs. Again, at a team level, you know, teams would also have this uh, virtual chai kind of time slots or at a larger you know, division or a business unit level or even at the organization level, a lot of communication happening, including the skip level meetings that used to happen in person. Now people started doing it over calls. The employee engagement activities took a slightly different flavor with uh, HR organizing a lot of fitness uh, classes, a lot of uh, mental well-being, mindfulness, how to handle stress at work or how to handle loneliness, how to handle the other distractions when you're working from home, etc. So the flavor of the interventions or the activities that they were creating. In some cases, it is also about including families. Now, one of the persons was saying that, oh, so far I just knew my colleague as uh, you know, by name and whatever uh, skills or the expertise that the person had. But now suddenly we find that uh, during a call when uh, a child walks in or a pet walks in or something else happens, we are able to relate to them a lot more. So that way, when we get back, I'll definitely feel much closer saying that, oh, they also have families, they also have challenges like me, or they also have aspirations and so on, which I don't know why I didn't think about it earlier, but then this is something 
that struck me when we were having these calls. I also noticed that some teams are still not very comfortable having their video on. The most common reason being the bandwidth and the reliability of the connectivity. But then at least periodically, uh, they do switch on at least for a minute to say hi, to show something, something funny, etc. And one of the other activities I found interesting was to involve the families also in these connect activities. In um, one such instance, I uh, saw that there was a, a Zoom session on effective parenting while working from home. They said, please, it is only for couples, not for the kids. And it was for the parents, essentially. There are also things where uh, they had the family showcasing talent or giving them the lead to organize some of these. So trying to create that camaraderie, even though you're not physically close, is again something that is happening. But your question on how to sustain this with the same level of effectiveness or enthusiasm is something that we need to see. Thank you, Shiv. A real broad spectrum response, but so heartening to know that people are making such sincere attempts. One person who I was talking to, the CEO of her own company, said that her employees tested her, I believe, in many ways. You know, they have about four or five teams and each of the teams have between 20 and 30 people. So they got her onto their team calls. Of course, there was the agenda of clarifying the purpose and setting common vision, etc. But the underlying fun activity was to see how many faces and names she could actually associate correctly. Well, she was wow. candid enough to come back shamefaced and said, oh my God, I there are actually about 25-30% of the people I can't identify but hey that's my challenge so that next time I go back to them I know exactly who they are. Can completely relate with you on what you said and uh, it's really encouraging to know. This segues very nicely into my next question and in the context of what you mentioned is that people are constantly trying new things are being driven by a sense of higher purpose. So have you sensed anything around co-creation in the context of massive telecommuting across so many different sectors. What has been the impact on innovation and learning? I think learning definitely has had a greater focus, greater attention, particularly in the non-IT sector. It has been, uh, they've been trying different innovative things. For instance, how do you ask a chef uh, to keep learning only on the net? And what they do is something, it has to be cooked, it has to be tasted, and somebody else has to say yes or no. So what I heard was that uh, in uh, one of the teams, they started having some challenges. Among the chefs, they would take some roster, because in some of the uh, larger uh, established hotels, where they still need to keep a skeletal staff, uh, some of them would be working for some time, all isolated and all that, but there would also be a backup team, etc. So something like a contest, either give a theme and see what is it that you can come up with, and then they need to reach out to their circles, whether their families, friends, whatever, and have somebody else try it and then give a feedback. So trying to simulate it, it's definitely not the same as you cooking something, giving it to someone and then someone saying it. But at least some of your creative juices are kept active where you can do this. So even when something has to be done physically and you need to be close, they've been trying to do this or have some say quizzes every day or learn SOPs, write new SOPs. But these are only to keep them or intellectually challenged and intellectually active for some time without probably much of a direct benefit to the organization as much as it is for individual learning. Now coming to 
other creative ways or creative uh, challenges that people are considering everybody is definitely still very confused about how things will shape up what can be done so some of the organizations are also reaching out to their customers and staying in touch with them understanding what their pressures are or what their pressures are likely to be so again a couple of themes that came out from almost everyone was that everyone said first is conserve cash whatever it is okay let us conserve cash which directly translates to how can i cut costs how can i stop spending on new things but still do whatever is needed to be done so with this the focus on how we can do the same things or create greater impact at a reduced cost with all this yes there are sectors that have also been affected seriously because of the cash flow stopping also heard about uh, stories of executives taking pay cuts associates taking pay cuts or not having any raises for this year but there again most of them do understand it is a question of you know, survival it is a question of getting over these challenges and being prepared for something that we don't know what it is going to be so while there is a lot of thought that is going in there are a lot of ideas also that people are experimenting with to bring that collegial atmosphere even when you are dispersed but it is still too early thanks for the question which is also one theme that i've been toying with as a follow up to this probably a couple of weeks down the line to look at one how sustainable this has been or how sustainable everyone feels it will be or what are the other side effects or pressures that people will go through both individually and as organizations and my hope is also that collectively we will discover better ways of doing things easier way of doing things safer ways of doing things after all when you talk about agile it is about experiment learn and improve and finally share it with others that sharing i think will definitely happen because in the non work context also i see everybody now being more empathetic about their neighbors about neighboring countries or whole humanity going through this but along with that there is also this fear of i need to survive will i be able to survive so if it continues for long hopefully you know that individual survival instinct whether it is an individual team or an organization doesn't overtake the collective survival and collective growth because there is enough for everyone so i do expect some things to happen but then just watch out probably in the next 3 uh, to 4 weeks i would like to do a little more deeper dive into some of these aspects completely agree with you there shiv in fact could relate to a lot of what you're saying i feel deep down inside that definitely something very nice will emerge out of all of this people will share a lot more my sense is that there will be a lot more collective thinking sharing and empathy but also looking forward to another round of sensing and conversations in a few weeks from now definitely in fact one of the things which i wanted to also explore is now you've been a corona warrior yourself first is your own thinking in terms of not just listening to things or reading about these but actually getting into action and once you got into that how has it been in terms of creating that awareness in people and that sense of responsibility in people i think once that comes even in the corporate context the whole ownership that we talk about at the individual level comes when one takes responsibility for not just the outputs that we create but collectively what is the outcome we want to create that i think is the larger purpose that i mentioned earlier having a purpose having autonomous teams i think are two significant components 
of having high performing teams once we have the mastery aspect also addressed you will have autonomy mastery and purpose all addressed and hopefully that will happen sooner and make all our lives much better certainly looking forward to that i noticed that you have a lot of lessons sprinkled through your collections that you put together uh, i'm thinking that a lot of our listeners would benefit from also reading those things through and one thing that struck me and i've heard you as well as a lot of our pm power colleagues talk about it and having personally felt it and benefited from it you've called out that this situation is about being on your own but not alone so what significance does this carry for all of us and why did you particularly put this lesson in there see in one sense these were all probably just waiting to come together in the last few years you also heard a lot about the gig economy the circular economy and so on now when you look at probably some of the underlying aspirations of people the gig economy is about having freedom is about doing things that one enjoys and being able to find time to do that so many corporate structures or the way we work kind of impose restrictions in terms of space and time being at an office being there at a particular time for a particular duration and so on so the moment we are able to unlink these there is freedom for everyone to be their best do their best enjoy their passions and while it appears that they are working alone on their own but definitely not alone because the higher purpose of being attached to teams attached to organizations attached to the mission or the purpose of the organization is something that we at pm power have always been saying that it is about being on your own but not alone it's a beautiful way to tie in this conversation shiv i'm certainly looking forward to what the next couple of weeks will reveal to all of us as coaches as consultants and as people in general so thank you so much for your time and i am certainly looking forward to our next conversation definitely chitra and of course as always as a listener if you have stories to share whatever you've learned please do tell us or narrate it in your own words we'll be happy to share them we thank siddharth for the music and malavika for promoting the software people stories if you like this episode please subscribe on your favorite podcast client and spread the word in your network if you'd like to share your story contact us at podcast@pm-powerconsulting.com at